welcome everybody to a special edition of the Tyler and Toddy Show 2020 edition. Um, all our fans have been clamoring for us to reunite and we thought no better time than the wacky 2020 year kicking off the season with a Florida at Ole Miss game for the SEC season. First of back-to-back noon games to start the season for Florida. Fire me up. Connor, how are you doing? Welcome back. It's game week. It's great to be back. I know you're familiar with this, this scenario, but up here in Buckhead, you know that the SEC fan capital of the nation, you wake up one random morning, it's just 51 degrees outside, and you go, ooh, that feels like football. And Tyler, this morning, it felt like football. Now, I don't think everyone is as plugged in. I certainly wasn't um, to kind of everything going on and prepared for this this year. And so we did a little bit of a deep dive, want to provide a real college football SEC Jeep-like experience for our audience to really get uh, acclimated with this big game to open the conference schedule, as well as some other interesting lines and, and narratives going into the conference schedule and then better but maybe better late than never but you know what more in now is than reunion shows on skype so really excited to have this conversation with you today pards uh and fire it up and talk a little ball yeah i uh could have been more pumped uh i recently got back into the podcast game and no better way to start the football season than get back with the original duo, the Tyler and Toddy show. Uh, why don't you kick us off with some uh, SEC over-unders that you've looked at that you, that you might like for, uh, for the season. So, some more long-term investments to make our listeners some money, um, some advantages you see there. Yeah, absolutely. No one does this better than Vegas. They give you the best uh, you know, optimism or pessimistic look at your season um, to really biased fan bases. And so when you take a look at their lines, you get a good check, a uh, reality check. Uh, and some of the ones that stick out to me, you have your classic, it's a 10 game schedule, right? So you have your classic Alabama's at eight and a half. Love the over there. I think they're going to run through everyone. Uh, but some of the players that most people would be interested in is Auburn six and a half, Florida seven and a half, Georgia eight and a half, LSU seven, well, you know, losing a lot of talent there for Ole Miss for the, uh, you know, at four in the SEC West, Tennessee at five, and then Texas A&M at seven uh, are kind of ones that off the top of my head I was looking at. And what stick out to me there is Alabama obviously going to be very good. They are traditionally that line is set at undefeated or one loss. Um, and with that eight and a hook, you have that there. And it's, you know, to me, I think it's a no-brainer to take Alabama as a one-loss team um, if you're able to get it because I just think they're going to be on a, a very – very uh, physical and, and uh, dominant revenge tour. Uh, I, I, don't, I think Georgia eight and a half is a little too much. Like, uh, you know, a, a, it's not a bad year to go, you know, seven and three in an only conference schedule and hit the under on eight and a half for Georgia um, and still have a decent year. And then I think Mizzou sucks and two, <laughs> two and a, two and a half wins. I don't think they get three wins. So under there, and then maybe my lock for the over and under total here, Tyler, is the Aggies of Texas A&M at seven wins. Um, yeah, I'll just have to put it this way. I'll have to see it to believe it. Uh, I think it is the – they're kind of like the Tennessee of the West, the darling of the division every year in the offseason. Like, well, if Texas A&M, with their resources, if they could if they could what? They always recruit well. You know, they, they've got the money. they got their fans. They'll probably put 100,000 people in the fans just because those guys, that cult is crazy. And they don't care about the stuff that's going on. But uh, <laughs> I, I just, you're going to, you're telling me they're going to go eight and two in all conference schedule. Uh, I don't think so. Not so fast, my friend. 
Um, and so in addition to those, Auburn six and a half, Arkansas one and a half, just brutal. Vandy at one, South Carolina three and a half. And What's that LSU? At? LSU is at seven. So yeah. that looks like a push or if anything, maybe even under for me. Yeah, no, I would agree on the Alabama line. I mean, they play, if you look at their schedule, Missouri. They yeah. Yeah. They, if the SEC really favored the, the best teams in the conference and really added when they added the two SEC games, they gave pretty much the best teams or the projected best teams, the worst teams in the SEC to play, which makes sense. And then when they had a conference call with the coaches, supposedly it got heated where some of the new SEC coaches that got piled on, uh, added to their schedule, the, the better SEC teams weren't very happy and the SEC office didn't really have a reason for how the rhyme or reason, at least outwardly, of why they did the schedule the way they did, but everybody knows the reason why. They don't want to make the best teams in the conference the schedule's too hard, so you have somebody winning the SEC with several losses. Yeah, um, and it's be funny to hear your thoughts on who those coaches might have been. I don't think it was Leach, because it's like it's the, the first-year coaches have the most difficult setup, yeah. right? It's State at LSU. I would bet uh, Pittman at Arkansas. Drinkowicz, yeah. <laughs> First off, they were probably just saying, Pittman, like, who the hell is this guy? Why is he yeah. here? It's like, I'm the new coach at Arkansas. Um, yes, sir. And so, yeah, look at Missouri, man. They start with Alabama and LSU as two yeah. teams that they don't have to play every year. I mean, that that is a tough draw. I, it's, it's kind of brutal for them. But, you know, at this, you know, we can have competition and, and talk, you know, who's going to have a good year or bad year. I think it's a good year for everyone if we just kind of get all the games in. Yeah. Oh, and, like, Alabama, if you look at their schedule, uh, I mean, their two toughest games or three toughest games will be Georgia, LSU, Auburn. Um, but they play Georgia early in the season. Who knows what's going on with the Georgia quarterback situation? Supposedly Mathis, the true freshman, is going to start because JT Daniels isn't cleared to play. They have the Wake Forest transfer not playing or opting to go pro right before the season. So once again, the Georgia quarterback position, even though they've had multiple five stars come through there, is kind of a mess. Um, well, it's, it's, it's always worked out um, to a sense, but they're trying to get to that next level. And it's kind of maybe that's, that's the missing component. Uh, so we'll see yeah. there. I think it's going to be the freshman, like, like you said. And then, of course, Florida's schedule lines up really well at home, uh, you know, especially from a fan base standpoint, it's not the you know, greatest, you know, it's not the greatest year to attend games, but it's just not yeah. a great home schedule in general. However, um, you know, it's a, it's a favorable schedule for them. They've got a winnable game, obviously week one, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's definitely a two headed rate two uh two headed monster in the sec East. And so um, they kept the cocktail party later in the year, you know, and uh, you have to remind me where Tennessee is on there, but uh, you know, again, Tennessee like Texas A and M, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Tennessee is the last game of the year. Well, uh, I remember just, last time that happened, right? Yeah, the little two thousand uh, two thousand one September eleventh, Florida going to the national championship and Tennessee knocks it off. Might have been one. Let me have been Florida's best or second best team ever. Ever. Yeah, uh, Grossman, Grossman finishes second and the closest Heisman ever up to that point. Eric um, Crouch, yeah. That was a tough loss uh, in in the swamp. Um, if you look at Florida this year, just preseason, they finished last S and P. Uh, Bill Connolly, this guy works for ESPN. He does power ratings. Um, he has Florida uh, in 2020 11th on offense, third on defense in efficiency, and going to be rated uh, number five in the nation. Before we finished seventh last year, Ole Miss uh, 38th overall. 
which I think they finished in the 50s last year. So immediate improvement with the addition of Lane Kiffin. And, yeah, so uh, far so good. <laughs> um, but how about we uh, we get into this game a little bit, unless you wanted to look at some other over-unders. No, I, I think it's a good natural segue, and I can kind of kick things off. I've got a little bit of a high-level view of what Ole Miss looks like, and you know, we'll probably have to go dive a little bit deeper into the new regime because a lot of things changing and, and also something to talk about. I'm not sure there's ever been an off season. I remember, and I don't think it's because of the circumstances and timing and lack of camp, but the lack of like notable players returning or, or, you know, prominent, you know, superstars at quarterback or anything like that in the SEC, there's just really isn't anyone, is there that nah. you can think of? Um, and not really that many. There's a couple in college football. There's, you know, two quarterbacks um, over there in Clemson, Ohio State. But it's it's kind of a, a weird year in the SEC that you don't have any, you know, you know mega stars. There's a lot of transferring, but nothing yeah. to talk about. Um, go ahead and, and dive into the uh, Ole Miss. Uh, you, you went ahead and, and hit on some S&P stats. Uh, talking about almost last year, a very, very poor roster, a very, very poorly managed in-game team and coach team. They were 0-5 in one-score games. Um, so I, that leads you to believe a couple things. They, like I said, very poorly coached uh, and just not that good of a team. However, those five games were obviously all conference games and then the Cal game that they lost at home. So I don't, I don't want to get into the optimism game, but you, if you, you know, add some coaching and then maybe a couple transfers and develop a couple players, you're looking at a little bit more optimistic. Maybe you win one of those games or two of those games this year. Uh, just something to keep in mind. They've had four straight losing seasons. Um, and, you know, for the specifics of this Florida Ole Miss matchup, you've got the continuity versus Florida. And if there is an advantage, which I'm not sure it is for Ole Miss, it's, you know, lack of game tape and those types of things to prepare. But I, I think, you know, nine out of 10 years, you take the continuity as the advantage. So let's look at really what's lining up on the offensive side of the ball for Ole Miss. The quarterback's going to be the California kid, Matt Corral, not John Rice Plumley uh, or JRP as we like to call him. The uh, good old boys who are the, the GOBs at Ole Miss, kind of the country club old guard, uh, are not happy about this Fawbush. They really, really want the white Christian, you know, FCA, piano playing drops of Jupiter, um, like son they've never had from Hattiesburg to be the quarterback. The fact and it's the, he throws the ball like Smalls from from Sandlot. Well, if we're, uh, I have an advertisement on. We're just gonna pod right through this. <laughs> you don't not the premium Zoom account. <laughs> no, I pulled up the SEC all SEC selections because they just came out. Well, it's okay. I was just bashing JRP for no great reason, yeah. but it's more about the older fan base to Ole Miss. Uh, they like to refer to him as what, a quote-unquote a gamer, which is short for throws like shit. Um, and, you know, they 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 love the quarterback. They also loved Matt Luke, too, you know, who wore like a grill, clubber, grill cover every game for a tire and stared at the scoreboard looking dumb uh, and made our recruiting strategy literally – you know, called Mississippi made, despite the fact we couldn't land any top 10 in-state recruits. And half of the top 25 Mississippi recruits every year end up going to Juco and Scuba or Hines County. So, you know, that's a breath of fresh air that we're going to have Corral, who was at one time a Florida commit, uh, probably wasn't going to be a good fit in, in Mullen's offense. Hasn't been too overwhelming. He got hurt. That's why JRP got came in and, and um, Rich Rod was running, you know, the, 
an offense from 20 years they, ago. Are they listed, if we want to get into depth chart talk, since depth charts are the pretty much the only off-season information we've gotten on anybody's team this year, rosters and depth charts, aren't they listed as co-starters on the depth chart? Is that uh, some Lane Kiffin uh, funny play? Yeah, it's a little little uh, gamer or gamesmanship, whatever it may be. And another thing they're doing is just, uh, a lot of teams are putting quarterbacks at wide receiver because they got to fit them under the 53-man roster. Just so, like, if something happens, they can – I don't know what it is. You'll see that just so, you know, if they travel and something happens with the, the COVID situation, they have them. But uh, you might see uh, there's there's an inside joke on the Rivals message board. Not this, not a spirit guy. That's the old country club. I'm a Rivals guy. There's an old, there's an inside joke with me and some of the guys who listen to this is that, like, everyone's like, well, why don't we just run – because they're all Saints fans. Like, why don't we just run the Taysom Hill package with JRP? And it's like, well, well here's the thing. And then one guy's like, we'll just put him in the Percy Harvin role. So here's the, here's the, here's the thing about those, those two things. First off, Taysom Hill literally is an NFL quarterback. So not a great comp. Sean Payton is like one of the best offensive minds in the history of football. Um, and then three, Percy Harvin is like one of the top five football players I've ever seen ever. So he was the best player on two national championship teams. So, you know, if, if, in fact, he can't fit in the Percy Harvin role, you guys are screwed Saturday. Yeah. Now, having said that, I don't necessarily anticipate to be, that to be the case. But we do have some dynamic people, and in our sexiest and most deepest position is the running back Ooh, with uh, two sophomores. Two sophomores, Jared Ely, who's uh, more of a blazer, more of the, the lightning, and Snoop Connor, um, bring your hat, Snoop, uh, who's more of a thumper in the thunder. Uh, but, you know, there's not been a lot of access to camp. However, I don't need access to do my job in scouting. It's a little another inside joke there. But the scuzzlebud's been that the freshman uh, kid named um, uh, – sorry, uh, Henry Parrish, who is from Miami actually, is going to be like the backup running back and actually maybe get some first-team carries. And he's been really good. So that should start Saturday. Uh, would be nice to see uh, our first big recruit that we got a kid from Florida who we're going to recruit uh, a state. We're going to recruit big time, get some action for, uh, early Saturday and see how that goes against the Gator defense. Um, that receiver, everyone remembers Elijah Moore, uh, not because he played for the football factory, St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida, but because he did the fake uh, PP in the Starkville end zone, which started the domino of firing uh, uh, trash bag and hiring Lane Kiffin. He's very good. He's like a high volume slot receiver. That was in the egg bowl. Yeah. The egg bowl. And um, he and lifted, he got, he scored a touchdown and got down on our fours and lifted his leg up. Yeah. And that with four seconds left in the game and they pushed the extra point back and we missed the extra point and lost the game. <laughs> and, and Matt Luke gets fired because of that. I guarantee you he doesn't get fired because of that. To think, that domino and the effect it could have had if we were here and he didn't do the PP, we probably would have gone to overtime and won. Matt Luke would still be our freaking head coach, probably be given this year for obvious reasons as a, like a, a free year. And then it would just been a nightmare and opposed to the optimism we have. So, you know, the wide receivers are, you know, solid. Uh, we'll see how Corral can get them the ball. The offensive line should be pretty Pretty good. It's uh, above average to, you know, pretty good top half unit in the SEC. Um, but for more of an informational standpoint, our offensive coordinator is, is going to be Jeff Levy, who comes from UCF. So if you're trying to picture what the offense is going to look like Saturday. You see fast. Yeah, that's right. The Golden Knights. Um, just think of, you know, spread, running 70-something plays a game. And Levy's actually going to be calling the plays. Everyone knows Lane Kiffin's a play caller, but 
Lane Kiffin, and I'll make a couple of these notes, has really from that time with Nick Saban taken like a ton from him. And so it's all about that CEO approach. He wants to have his input and philosophy on the entire, you know, all three phases of the game. He's going to use a lot of, uh, a lot of analytics. So if a field goal at 50 yards is, you know, 20% chance of, of being made or going for it fourth and seven is 25% chance he's going to have that information to go for. And so that's a breath of fresh air and a, a really stubborn, um, historically stubborn university from a, a football coaching leadership standpoint. Um, and then just touch briefly on the defense, familiar name, DJ Durkin, uh, you know, things didn't go well at Maryland. However, he's very, very highly sought after a great recruiter and actually had things going pretty well at Maryland. Uh, he's the co-defensive coordinator. I think he's going to be calling plays with a, a three, four uh, defense with multiple looks. Chris, Part Chris Partridge came down from Michigan, who was a top recruiter. Um, rivals labeled him, I think, recruiter of the year one time. Uh, and then just a couple guys that to look out for. Uh, two defensive lines going to be going to be pretty bad, to be honest. It's thin, it's young. Uh, they've got to stay healthy. They've got to punch above their weight class. Uh, two kind of studs at the linebacker position. So like an outside three, four linebacker is Sam Williams. You're going to know who he is right away because he looks like a freak. He looks kind of like a Javion Clowney, where he's number 13. He was the one in that video today that got burned by offensive linemen and like they're kind of messing around. They threw a fade route. It wasn't a great look for our best defender, um, but he's he's gonna you know wreck some havoc in the backfield. He had high wreck um, havoc numbers if you follow those stats. And then on the inside, the linebackers, Lakia Henry, who's a another kind of first off the bus uh, uniform guy, and he's gonna be wearing number zero, right? And so the NCAA is finally allowing players to wear zero, and so you'll notice him pretty well. And then Florida should have some success in the secondary because we're really young. We have two guys who I won't get into it. Haven't been uh, cleared by the NCAA. They just don't feel like clearing all Miss players. Uh, and so, you know, that's is what it is, but special teams are going to suck per usual um, is a Ole Miss tradition. So yeah, I think y'all uh, were like 111th in the nation on S and P and special teams last year. Yeah. Which, you know, is what 127 teams. Yeah. So, you know, not ideal. I, I wouldn't anticipate too much there. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to kind of go over that for the audience to give them an understanding of what the defense, what the offense is going to look like. And hopefully that, you know, when they lay their heads on their pillows and, and, and go to bed, they can think about what the offense in the game is going to develop like in Bot Hemingway Stadium on Saturday. Uh, are they having fans there? They will. They do 25%, which is, I think, about 16,000 people. Um, I'm not even sure they'll get that. It's, you know, that, that town is like Gainesville can kind of pull it off because it's a little bigger town and you've got, you know, major cities surrounding it. Yeah. Every Oxford is Oxford because of football season. Right. And so, you know, it's tough to kind of uh, pick up, you know, get only local people to go when there's nothing else to do. Normally it's a lot of out of town folks from Atlanta, from Nashville, from Memphis, New Orleans, Jackson, uh, and so, you know, Birmingham, it's not like there's a lot. I don't think a lot to do in this in the town for that weekend. A lot of, not a lot of places open to stay. So, um, and if Lane Kiffin goes, he, they asked him in a press conference today, they go, what, what's that going to be like? He's going to be like, quite frankly, it's going to feel a lot like FAU the last three, <laughs> the last three years. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's good for some sound bites. Yeah, he's great. All right. Well, I'll uh, <clears throat> take over from here and go through Florida a little bit. Um, some of our obviously big offensive losses, uh, we lost four wide receivers, 
to the league, uh, Michael P. Ryan, and then Felipe Franks obviously got injured in the middle of the year. He'll be at Arkansas this year. And Kyle Trask, who started the remainder of the year, will be back along with his backup, Emory Jones. They should split some time together. Um, Kyle Trask is probably the uh, dean of SEC football quarterbacks at this point as a fifth-year senior notable two-star recruit. That was a backup at high school to uh, King, the quarterback down in Miami now. He's been pretty impressive. We got to pick, pick that game, too, by the way. Miami Force. Miami FSU. <laughs> the game day's going. It's a big one. Um, notable offensive playmaker, uh, best one of the best players in the nation at their position, uh, Kyle Pitts. He's going to be a Mackey Award finalist. Um Really, really good player last year. He was a really became a star in that LSU game where Trask was just constantly throwing him up the ball. He was making big catches against uh, LSU's formidable secondary. Um, and then we returned some wide receivers to replace the ones we lost last year, uh, Tony, Grimes, and Copeland. Um, and then Justin Shorter is a five-star transfer that got immediate eligibility from uh, Penn State. Oh, and, funny, funny how that works. Yeah. For the, for the Blue Bloods. Um, yeah, our offensive line, our center, um, Ethan White, he was a 425-pound recruit that's supposedly down to 330 pounds this year. He played a lot <laughs> last year. Um, but he unfortunately dislocated his kneecap and uh, will be out, had knee surgery, and will be out for about eight weeks. As um, someone who has dislocated their kneecap in a football uh, game, I sounds tell awful. It's a extremely di- painful, and I've had three three other surgeries. It's, a, it's the most painful injury I've had. It is your knee swells up the size of your football helmet. I was fortunate enough not to have, not to have surgery, but it is painful. Not, I think he sh- should he be back this year though, or. Yeah, yeah, it's they said they said eight weeks, which just seems bananas. Just two months. <laughs> it's just like oh, I think he heard it at the beginning of September. Nothing has really come out about it. It's just like message board stuff. But then after the depth chart got released, him and his mom both tweeted something saying that he'll be back soon. So it kind of confirmed it. But just thinking about dislocating your knee and then being like, I uh, eight weeks later I'm going to be an offensive lineman and in the SEC yeah, and go and play football seems pretty insane, but I I don't know. It, it, just like dislocated kneecap sounds like worse than like tearing your ACL. Tearing your ACL is obviously way worse, but I've done, that. I've done that as well. Dislocating uh, so. your kneecap just sounds so painful. Yeah. It's uh, it's, you, I don't really, you don't really feel like it. You don't really feel it happen. Yeah. It kind of like, cause it's dislocated like my shoulder, but just like you're just, I don't know. Anything with your knee or your leg, or we'll get Dr. James Andrews on the next on the next reunion yeah. show. But I mean, offensive line is really a spot where Florida is not super. I mean, the whole team's not super deep. Um, but offensive line and defensive line, where I will get to, where we have another loss, um, isn't uh, isn't deep. So losing somebody there hurts. Um, last year, Florida is pretty good in pass blocking, but really couldn't do anything in run blocking. Dan Mullen's really big on being balanced and couldn't really make any holes in the run game. Um, across the the line, it's a, a bunch of experience. And then we have Stuart Reese playing at right guard, who's a grad transfer from Mississippi State. Um, 
Yeah, he committed a full miss, but then they told on us and we, we had to back off of him. Yeah, his younger uh, brother, uh, David Reese, is a linebacker, um, defensive end hybrid for Florida. So he'll help a lot. Um, DeLance is the guy that's kind of stepping in for the – Heggie's going to move the center where Ethan White was, and DeLance will play right tackle, but – I call DeLance the turnstile. He loves to just <laughs> let people run around the right tackle. Uh, and then everybody that's a backup is pretty much either a freshman or a redshirt freshman. So hopefully nobody gets injured on that offensive line. But hopefully they'll be able to, with a year of development, they'll be able to block, run block a little more. Um, our running backs, we have Damian Pierce and Malik Davis. Malik Davis uh, played last year after being injured. He had a really notable freshman year with McIlwain where he was explosive and a big playmaker. And last year he had the fumble Ruskies. Uh, he fumbled a few times in the Miami game um, and couldn't really seem to hold on to the ball. But uh, rumors are that he's been having a good off season, but Damian, Damian Pierce is a guy last year that spelled uh, P Ryan and it, hopefully that can be kind of a, a thunder and lightning backfield. Um, so, offense. I mean, I know uh, Bolin, you know, it just, knowing his offense for so long. It's always, he's always had the quarterback involved in the run game, but last year was kind of a, um, a one-off, right? They were very efficient, one of the top passing teams in the country, like a top 25, top 20 passing team in the country. Yeah. Do you anticipate them, you know, deviating from their success last year and kind of getting back to what Mullen likes to do or take what the de like defense gives them? What do you anticipate being the philosophy and, and kind of scripted game plan week one and going throughout the season? I think they're going to get a lot more into, um, back into being more balanced and running and passing equally. I mean, if it was his decision, they'd run for 250, pass for 250 every game and just put up a bunch of points that way. Um, Trask uh, kind of hurt his knee in the Kentucky game. And uh, <clears throat> um, Emory Jones had to come in and spell him for a little bit. And I don't think it was, he was fully healthy the, the rest of the game. Uh, the rest of the season and this off season he lost 13 pounds get a little lighter a little leaner able to move a little better he's not nobody's going to mistake him for Percy Harvin either but <laughs> I think uh he'll be a little more able to to do more of the zone reads and pick up pick up some yards in some situations where the defense has given him some things um so I, I expect the, I don't think the running game can get worse than it was last year. And so I think the, uh, the offensive line coming back, the addition of Reese, hopefully Ethan White getting, getting back in the, he's a great run. He was our only good run bucker last year. So him getting back and then Trask being fully healthy, a whole off season in the offense, even though we didn't have a spring, um, getting a little lighter and being fully healthy. I think all those factors will really help because a lot of the Dan Mullins offense is just, numbers and counting if there's less people in the box then you have people to block and then you're going to run it if there's more people in the box and you have a ability for wide receiver screen throw it outside just all counting numbers pretty simple concepts when you break it down and that's the way he wants to run his offense and get yards so well, yeah and last year i think i read they were florida was a very very they didn't they ran very poorly ran short yardage running attempts, right? So if it was like a short yardage to gain, they had, they had a lot of, they did not have much success, which yeah. is the opposite of what you think of when you think of Dan Bowen. So I'm sure he wants to get back to that. I don't love all of uh, PFF stats either, but one PFF yeah. stat that 
they said about Kyle Trask is he was fourth worst in the country and the differential between uh, big time throws and turnover worthy plays. He did have a knack for throwing the ball to the other team and them dropping it, especially in the Virginia <laughs> game, last game of the year, he should have probably had like six or seven interceptions. Um, uh, sometimes it just seemed like he didn't read the defense that well and, and threw the ball into coverage. Luckily, a lot of those times the defense dropped it or the offense was able to break, break it up so they didn't get a turnover. But I think just his pocket awareness, uh, him having another year in the offense and knowing where the ball goes and watching film hopefully will reduce those turnover-worthy plays. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy. He doesn't have great deep ball accuracy. Dan Mullen's offense in general emphasizes short to intermediate throws and not really maybe take a couple shots here and there. He's not great with long accuracy, but 50 to 60% of the attempts are going to be within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. Um, a majority of the attempts will be within one to 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. That's just how that offense runs. So uh, he's not asked to do a lot. He just needs to kind of take care of the football and distribute to the playmakers like he did last year. So uh, let's talk about uh, the defense that I think just on paper and you know, naturally would be um, where Ole Miss would want to take advantage of looking to have a little more offensive talent from an Ole Miss perspective, more offensive talent than defense. What do they look like they're going to be going up against from a, a Florida defensive perspective? Well, this is just uh, message board rumors, but I love rumors, so I'll put it out there. Uh, I love, I our, love, love message board rumors. Our Brad, Brad Stewart, our safety, is supposedly suspended for the first two games of the year. He's not on the release depth chart, but he is confirmed still on the team, according to Dan Mullen. So, and he does not have COVID. So, uh, I think he's he's been suspended for the first game of the season for back to back to back years. So he's the inaugural winner of the the Cheech and Chong three time winner suspended. <laughs> For a weed first game of the season award, um, not was it Gerald, Gerald McRae? Well, who, what was the guy at the defensive tackle who won it like four years in a row? He was, Gerald, he played for uh, Oklahoma. No, that was Gerald McCoy. Now, who's the Who's the defensive tackle? He had he was really good on Florida's national championship team. Uh, oh, uh, the it's a good yeah. Pod. <laughs> the, he was the he was like 95 he yeah. stop on the goal line on fourth down yeah he was he was nasty but he got he made like <laughs> yeah ha, like he half a get, dozen he had, times he had to get juco i yeah. mean he he was he smoked so much weed he got kicked out of florida under urban meyer that's how much weed he smoked yeah well i mean it it depends on how good you are yeah but i mean he loved he couldn't put the bomb down yeah um so he's out and then uh um Campbell um Kyrie Campbell is our defensive tackle and he there are all these message board rumors that he opted out and then uh we asked our Grantham our defensive coordinator when he had media availability earlier this week and he said you'll have to ask coach Mullen about that I'm not answering questions about players which was a weird answer and then Dan Mullen had a call-in show yesterday and people called in and asked and he said that Brad Stewart and um Campbell will play on Saturday, but they're not on the depth chart. And then he said, well, I don't even look at the depth chart, which I find ridiculous that they just release a depth chart without the coach looking at it, especially when they're giving out zero information and the coach wouldn't have any input on who's on the depth chart. So it's just a ridiculous situation. There's so little information coming out on what's happening in practice and what's happening with the team. Um, 
that you'll just find have to find out on Saturday. But I don't anticipate either of those two people playing. I don't know why you leave them off the depth chart. I don't know why for somebody who gets annoyed by these things would if there's nothing going on, would just leave them off the depth chart and create more drama when you get mad when anybody asks you questions about these things. So the boosters are not happy about the lack of information. No spring practice. And by the way, it was Ray McDonald was the guy. Oh yeah. Ray McDonald. Uh, he had a he had a cup of coffee in the league with the 49ers. 49ers, yeah, exactly. So no, I didn't or just kind of before we hopped on here, I was reading the the script at the Kevin's presser and they're like, what do you expect? And he's really, really honest. He's like, what do you expect? Saturday he goes, I don't know. It's <laughs> like, well, he's like, I've heard it's been sloppy and it's like, oh, we're not where we need to be. We're not good enough. And so I don't know if it's just coach speak or what, or, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I could see, I was almost going to win, but I, I could see like a real sloppy, like 17 to 10 game, or I could yeah. also see a shootout. It's, it's interesting to see. Did you see um, the tweet where it was like Kiffin had to stop practice because the one guy that was impersonating Trask was like tearing Yeah, up that, 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 was, that guy was, was – that, that, that guy's full of crap. No, oh, okay. he's, he's just like a – yeah, he's like our fourth-string quarterback. Uh, um, it, was like, it was like sources told me – It was me, like sources Grant, Grant had to Tisdale, stop playing because he kept was lighting up the defense. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't cancel the game. Uh, but, I mean, that's what comes out with these things like – you don't, you don't know. I, I mean, we've heard that John Rice probably is playing cornerback some too. It's, yeah. You know, who knows, but um, I guess, you know, transitioning to kind of big picture. Let uh, me bust out play. this defense real fast. Just yeah, to, go for it. Okay. Big, our big losses, CJ Henderson already playing well for the Jags, our corner that was drafted top 10, uh, David Reese, senior linebacker. And then Jonathan Grenard was the transfer from Louisville that played one year, but had a big impact on the team. Um, Curry Campbell defensive line the defensive tackle is probably our weak spot on the defense um, we have some young people like Brent Cox and Jeremiah Moon and Bogle on the edge that are going to come in and be impact players and then I think our linebackers have been in the system for a while and then we have young talented people below them that uh, Christian Robinson linebacker coach is excited about um, Kair Elam's going to be a star he was on a lot of freshman all-american lists um, Matt Elam's cousin at cornerback he'll replace uh cj henderson and then marco wilson who got injured two years ago at uh had an acl tear came back last year had an okay year but hopefully this year he'll have a bounce back year to similar to his freshman year um and then we'll do another annoying ron english safety rotation like we've done the past few years with Donovan Steiner, Sean Davis, Trey Dean, Brad Stewart, all four-man safety rotation, which is the dumbest thing ever, but that's what Florida does, and it seems to be pretty successful. At least last year, we were top 10 in the nation in defense, but safety recruiting has just been uh, kind of a low point <laughs> for for this team. Recruiting in general, really high-rated high, high um, rated players, but safety recruiting in general. We have some young players that might see the field, too, if uh, the, the older players – can't start performing hopefully somebody will cement uh their place as a safety but that's safety and defensive tackle are probably the places where florida doesn't feel best at yeah i think when you were especially recruiting like safeties like safeties in high school like the who cares like who cares like if you don't need to recruit a safety in high school to play safety in, in college i think you just need to get like a badass athlete 
to do it because like the color, I, don't, I think that's where like that position doesn't translate at all. Like the offenses you're you're like co like covering and reading like schemes in high school, um, but Florida has done a pretty decent job, I would say, on the the outside of uh, bringing in some talent, and they sure have been recruiting well. Um, and you mentioned Christian Robinson, I believe he's a former Ole Miss rep as well, the linebackers coach. So mm -hmm. a little bit of uh, cross pollination there. And so transition to kind of the big picture stuff. What like listen, I think. They can oh, win. He went, the to, East. he went to Georgia. Did he coach at Ole Miss? Joe I don't know. Maybe he coached at Ole Miss. That's what it was. Yeah. He coached at Mississippi State. I think he coached at both. <laughs> I could just be wrong. Anyway, uh, so so I I I just thought when you, when you talk about a team like Georgia, though, I doubt they probably like say like defensive tackles are weakness or something. They've just kind of been doing the recruiting thing that you guys are doing for probably two or three more years. Yeah. Um. Again, it comes down to the quarterback thing. Is this a year that, like, what are the expectations realistically? And, like, what would be a disappointment? Is it one of those things where, from an Ole Miss standpoint, it's a new coach, it's this COVID thing, we just want to play football. Um, our fans will find a way to get disappointed, of course, but from a team that actually has maybe some lofty goals, like, t talk to that me about that dynamic of – is it, you know, when the East disappointed, just play football, have fun? Like, where, where are you guys as far as a fan base from a like, realistic standpoint and maybe some, some of the delusional, more delusional thoughts out there? Yeah, I mean, I think if we lose to Georgia this year, this no matter really what happens, everything will be a disappointment. They're a Bain rival there who we have to win, beat to win the East. They've been recruiting at such a high level and they had uh, kind of a transition turnover this year at quarterback and it – We'll kind of feel like if we don't beat Georgia this year, when are we going to beat them? Because there's such a wide talent gap, even if you think that Dan Mullen's a better coach than Kirby Smart. Um, you can only scheme so much when the other team is so much more talented than you. And I, I don't anticipate Dan Mullen starting recruiting at a top five level. He'll probably be somewhere between five to 10 to 12. You can maybe. win with that, though, with a coach. Yeah, coach. I mean, you can win with that, but – if you look at like the Clemson model for the way you've been recruiting, you have to get one of those dynamic playmakers like Deshaun Watson to really take your program to the next level and start competing for natties. And then you maybe start recruiting at a higher level once you take it there. Cause if you look at the talent with Deshaun Watson, he was, they didn't, they weren't recruiting at the Alabama Ohio state level. They just had a dynamic difference maker quarterback, but a uh, long way of saying if we don't beat Georgia this year, uh, people will probably get pretty down on Mullen and just think of him as somebody who can bring you to 10, 11 wins, which is great for what we had right. before that. But some the guy who can't really take you to the next level and it push you to the SEC and national championship with, with Georgia in the way and save it in the way with, with the way they build their programs. Um, I think we really need to get the win this year. And if we don't beat Georgia – and win the East, then it'll be a disappointment because this is our easiest schedule. And this was going to be our easiest year nationally. FSU's way down. Um, we're not playing them, but Miami might be decent this year. But with everything going down in the state and uh, Georgia switching over quarterbacks, if we don't win that game, then I think people will get pretty down on this program, probably irrationally. All right. Well, I'm going to start. That's that's a. This is just a football meat sandwich for our audience. This is just great stuff. And so, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a little rapid fire for you. Okay. Okay. Over under five point five touches for Tony Saturday. Cool. I'm going to go over. 
Historically, I'd say under, but over this Saturday, I think they're going to get into the ball. Kick and punt. He's our starting kick returner and our starting punt returner now, too. So they're obviously trying to get him more touches. And he, every 20% of the time he touches the ball, the he goes for 15 or more yards. Are the Canes back? No, no. Are the balls back? No, no. Is Texas back? No. <laughs> I like Tom Herman, but I, Texas is not back. Okay, so before we can go, we can talk about some other thing. Prediction for the game Saturday, Florida versus Ole Miss. I will go ahead and tell you what I think. The oh, line see, at, the line, oh, you go ahead. I was it was at line. 14 and a half earlier today, which your boy got I think it it's, I think it's 14 or 13 and a half I got 13 now. and a half now, so I had 14 yeah. and a half. I think it's 14 and a half is a lot. The value there is Ole Miss. Um, I, I could see – well, something like a 38-27 with like a, a backdoor kind of, um, you know, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen with these games that are out of hand or like, well, you know, well in hand, I should say. Uh, Have y'all got any COVID cases? We had three COVID cases in the last week. So we, uh, we, we had about it. 26, we, that is. we had about 26 in one week about a month ago. And we haven't had any tests in three weeks. We haven't had any positives in three weeks. Yeah. So um, I guess we just got it out of the way. Ole Miss, Ole Miss style. So, um, you know, I can see something like a 38-27, maybe a late score by Ole Miss to make it closer than it seems. I think it's going to be sloppy early. I think the weather should be nice, but, you know, I, I think even when teams are, you know, have the game in hand towards the end, they, they might step off the gas a little bit just because of injuries uh, and those types of things. Honestly, it's all unknown. It's just speculation on my part, but I'll say 38-27 Gators, almost get the cover, but maybe by a late, late score or field goal. Um, most importantly, though, the grass looks green. The powder blue jerseys are coming out for the first time ever. And, uh, ah, they're so getting, good. We're getting, we're getting fall, fall football, uh, fall SEC football on a Saturday. Yeah, we're going – I bet we'll go white tops, blue bottoms, orange helmets. Um, they did a schedule – or they did a uniform release for the schedule today. But I also think Ole Miss will cover – I think it will be a little more – Lower, a little lower scoring. Uh, I do think Florida will get over 30. I'm going to go um, 35-24. <laughs> it's very similar to your score. It's not. No, that's still the over. I, I think 31-20. to 20. I think Florida is going to put up some points, but I think they're probably going to struggle early. Their offensive line is going to struggle a little bit early getting the getting to run the ball seem to start slow in a lot of sec games especially this year with without a lot of off season um i wouldn't be surprised to see some three and outs and see our fifth year walk on jacob finn at punter playing over our aussie scholarship punter um, oh jacob finn kind of sounds like it would be the aussie's name no the aussie's <laughs> at jamie crenshaw oh uh, well that's crenshaw <laughs> yeah but yeah, Jacob Jacob Fenn, he competed with uh Mr. Townsend last year for punting duty, so he's probably pretty skilled who's uh punting for the Kansas City Chiefs right now. But um yeah, I think Florida starts a little bit slow offensively, feeling things out, and I feel like they'll just not knowing much about uh Ole Miss either unless you're just Swiss cheese and we can just run up and down the field on you. I think we'll probably take it easy the first few drives and kind of feel it out and see what, see what's happening with, with a lot of a few new players on offense. So, well, I would take Swiss cheese over the past four years. Cause at least there's some substance there. Uh, and maybe <laughs> you run into the, the actual cheese. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's going to be a fun day. Any other uh, upsets you see? You know, we got uh, so uh, Auburn versus Kentucky. I think Kentucky's like plus eight and a half. Seems like a lot of points. Auburn's really good at home, but I'm not sure what does that mean, though, without a full. I mean, I think Kentucky's, yeah. Kentucky's, a, I think Kentucky's a great team for this early schedule uh, and the kind of unknown yeah, sloppy they got, football. They got somebody who can throw the ball 10 yards now. Yeah, and so I think they'll just they'll punch you in the mouth and just you know kick you while you're down and twist your ankle and and they're they're really good. I, I like them. I think Alabama rolls Missouri, covers like the twenty seven and a half. Arkansas stinks, so Georgia's going to roll them. Um, but you know it's listen, football is kind of I've been great. Arkansas for it. really stinks. Frank's <laughs> I don't know they they've been, I've read their message board the other day just to see check in with Mr. Frank's and. They they act like Franks is like the second coming of Dan Marino. <laughs> he's, so, he's the next Ryan Mallet. But they're they're getting out like mad practice reports. Like you would think that they're living. Well, they have like to. They have to. If you got to think from their perspective, the apathy of the, that fan base. I think they probably just got to make shit up so like they could keep subscribers and stuff like that and keep people happy. Yeah. Uh, but that I I don't know Sam, Sam Pittman. I, Link Hiffen turned that do- job down. Um. And so Sam Pateman is – I mean, much rather live in Oxford. Yeah, I, I don't even think he wants to live in Oxford, to be honest. <laughs> but, you know – I mean, there's no that, Blue Martini, but – Yeah, there's only a couple of those. Joey, Joey Freshwater can't uh, – where, where did he go in Bama? What was his bar? I forgot what the name was. Was it like Galette's or, or <laughs> Houndstooth? Those are just the bars I went to. So. How about uh, FSU Miami, the, the game day game? I think Miami is going to take an opportunity to – I just – Florida State wasn't good. Uh, and Miami I – mean, they've got a quarterback. Georgia just, Tech's so bad. They're Georgia not good. Tech's been like the worst team in the ACC for like the past three years. They're not good. Uh, they were brutal last year. I like year. Jeff Collins, but they're not good yet. And uh, They just started – they tried a true freshman, and they couldn't do anything. Like, they looked horrible against UCF defensively. UCF could do whatever they wanted. And they had three three field goals or extra points or whatever kit blocked and they still won. It's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I don't know why Miami – I mean, Miami is an 11-point favorite. I could you see Miami winning by like – I could see Miami winning by a lot. Yeah, like, no, I think I think they roll them. I think they take a chance to do it too. Like it's an opportunity to – it's your rival while they're down. Um, but I, I still don't – I'm still not very bullish on – on Miami, I, either. I don't think Miami's great. No, no, no. But that's just the fact that that's the college game day game, like the uh, ABC primetime game. Yeah, I mean, I've been been happy football's back, but honestly, it's kind of sucked up until now. The NFL's been fine. The college games have been, you know, nothing to write. The week about. one college games were so bad, and I was so happy. Last week, <laughs> it was just like a little. I was like Notre Dame, Duke, let's go. Yeah, Notre Dame, Duke. I was so fired up for Notre Dame. <laughs> Last week, I just had to get some some real action going to watch uh, Georgia Georgia State and Louisiana Lafayette. Georgia State, that was a cover. Uh, but yeah, okay. Well, I think that that we can wrap it up, man. The bulls about to plug because uh, it's like ride, you know, riding a bike. Yeah, the pod back on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we're very happy. College football's back. It's going to be a great game Saturday. Go Rebs, go Gators, and we will talk to you next time. Football's back. For Tyler Faubus, I'm signing off. It's Toddy. Adios.